Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Coach Time on the Believe Network. I'm your host, John Lyons. It's actually the 25th show I've done for the Believe Network. And what better way to market than with a special guest, Casey Hudson of the Believe Network? We're going to dive in to quite a few NHL topics. The offseason and free agency is fully underway. But first, Casey, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. While it's been a crazy couple of weeks, you would think that the NHL has finally found their offseason, but I can't say that it's been the offseason quite yet. A lot of movement taking place. Yeah, for sure. And and this show for me, I'm based up in Boston. So I had a very disappointing month of April here with the Boston Sorry. Bruins. And it continued, unfortunately, into Bruce Cassidy winning the Stanley Cup. And then, of course, the Bruins, we knew the exodus was coming. They trade Taylor Hall, Dmitry Orlov leaves. But I wanted to get your thoughts. The deal that stood out to me the most initially, Tyler Bertuzzi, only a one-year deal in Toronto. I wanted to get your thoughts on Bertuzzi's market, but also the fit in Toronto. Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise for me because the last thing I heard, I apologize, was that Bertuzzi was kind of going to be a priority for the Boston Bruins. Um, while he didn't have the loaded point season that people were expecting, if you only caught his play during playoffs, you said he has an intense playoff caliber to him, which takes me to his role in Toronto. But what Bertuzzi did for the Boston Bruins in the playoffs is the kind of guy that you want on your team. And the Maple Leafs are struggling with that good but not good enough situation. Yeah. They get into playoffs. They had that one curse. They finally broke it versus my team. So, yes, I was feeling the Boston Bruins round one exit pain just as intensely because, you know, if you follow or love the Lightning, you hate the Maple Leafs. And, you know, Bertuzzi had five goals and 10 points. I think he was probably second place, not in first place, leading that Boston Bruins team. So the Toronto Maple Leafs need a guy who's going to help give this team an edge, who's not going to be very predictable. He's very good on the four check. So even if he's not your top scoring guy, regardless of his numbers playoff, his ability to distribute the puck is something that the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to need because their core four get locked up very easily after they face a team so many times. And I guess yeah. that's the upper hand in playoffs. Once you get a familiar with an opponent, that's what changes the dynamic of the game. So Bertuzzi helps kind of change that for the Maple Leafs. And Casey, you bring up some interesting points about Bertuzzi and his fit in Toronto. And you said it best that Toronto's this team that's never quite there. And we know how long it took them to get out of the first round. They finally do that this year, but then they get smoked in the second round by the Florida Panthers. Do you think Bertuzzi himself is a guy that can make a difference and push them beyond that second round? Or do you think they have more that needs to be done there? I think they still have a little more that needs to be done. They tend to be the team that gets a little too comfortable butting the fate of their, you know, wins on the shoulders of, of their of their main guys. So what Bertuzzi brings to the table, I think, is a step in the right direction. Where they ended up falling apart versus the Florida Panthers, in my personal opinion, was the fact that the Panthers were just able to wear them out, which also allowed them to outwork them. So it's Toronto finding a balance. What made them more competitive this past season is that they stepped up their physicality. They stepped up their defense. They did make some movements to help them out, but I also think that they lost some key players that they could have used, you know, in this upcoming season to be consistent in the direction that they're going in. So Bertuzzi is a great first step. 
I just, it depends on how large a role they want him to play. I started to see projections of him on those top two lines. So him playing with four 80 point guys in Marner, Nylander, um, Matthews and Tavares is going to be huge because he can alleviate them and he can kind of, they can be decoys to open up space for Bertuzzi. That's what's going to make Bertuzzi dangerous. But it also depends on what's going to happen with Nylander, who's having some contractual issues with the team. They're not seeing eye to eye. Matthews is supposed to be in extension conversation. So we're still not sure what the identity of Maple Leaf is going to be heading into the upcoming season. Yeah, and unfortunately for them, they play in an Eastern Conference that top to bottom is loaded. The Panthers is an eight seed, just made the Stanley Cup final. And just quickly on the other side of this Bertuzzi deal, the Boston Bruins, I mentioned, they lose Taylor Hall, Bertuzzi's gone, Dmitry Orlov leaves. When you look at the Bruins this season, of course, Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, their future is still very much up in the air. looks like Krejci's probably done, but Bergeron, maybe done, maybe not, looks more towards done. Projecting them this year, just based off what they've done, do you think it's a possibility that, you know, we know they're not going to win 65 games again, but do you think they have an opportunity to maybe get further in the playoffs this year because their, their roster won't be as good, but it was such a disappointment this year. Do you think they're a first round team now with the pieces they've lost? See, it's hard because if they didn't lose, if they were able to keep Bertuzzi or even Orlov one or the other, I would have maybe said yes, but this is going to be an upcoming season where they're going to lock down defensively and try to contain Pasternak for one. Krejci was that other guy that can help alleviate Pasternak and kind of get momentum going for the Boston Bruins. So if he's on your lineup, it's going to be huge. And then, of course, uh, Patrice Bergeron, not even just his skill set, but his leadership, his voice is so key to that locker room that if he's not there, you're going to feel um, you're going to feel things differently with the Boston Bruins. So I think that the key pieces that losing out on kind of sets them back a bit and they're going to be a bit easier to lock in on. I know that they still have the top goaltenders in the league, but still um, it can't just be the posture knock show. And so I think that they might end up taking a step back. I thought that they were going to be in that uh, conversation of the President's Trophy reverse curse, but after free agency, I'm not being as confident. Yeah, I agree. And I think if they had kept Bertuzzi, you could almost look at that reverse curse President's Trophy thing, much like we saw with Florida, <laughs> because Bertuzzi was their best forward in the playoffs, and he brought an identity to them that they hadn't had in the past several years. I know they got to the cup in 2019 and they had good regular seasons in 2020, 2021, but they didn't quite always have that edge. And I think Bertuzzi brought that to them and Orlov to an extent as well. And without mm -hmm. them, I, I think you're right. I think they're a playoff team, but I, I mean, I would be surprised really if they got beyond the second round, I'd even be a little surprised if they got to the second round with the losses that they've had. A team, Casey, that's really stood out to me so far is a 47-win L.A. Kings team from a year ago that did lose in the first round to Edmonton, but they trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, Vladislav Garikov re-signed with them as well. So, I mean, I look at this Kings team. Obviously, they're a long way removed from winning two Cups in three years in 2012 and 2014, but it feels like this is a team in the West that's kind of building back to that elite contender status. Maybe not, they're not quite there yet, but they're getting there. I wanted to get your thoughts on those couple moves and where the Kings stand. I actually love that you brought up this team because I think the LA Kings just kind of get left out of big conversations. I don't know if it's because they're on the whole the way on the West Coast or what, but we forget about their leader in, in Kopitar for one. 
he not only wears the captain's badge, but he plays like a captain. He's a strongly skilled player. He sits top of the chart statistically for this team. Um, but then there's also this guy that no one talks about, which is Adrian Kempe, uh, 41 goal scorer this past season for one. 11 of those 41 goals came off of the power play. I think their power play sat at about 20% as well. Their penalty kill would wasn't as great which brings me to why they're probably getting left out of conversations they're not able to stack defensively and protect at the points that they end up up in games if they can start locking down in their d zone and protecting their forwards and the goals that they post this is going to be a very dangerous team in the next coming year or two and then you've got Kevin Fiala who just came in and fit right in this system as if he was meant to be there the entire time top three statistically with this team I mean how many games did he have hat trick after hat trick after hat trick he was unstoppable so them it's locking down their d zone so that those goals count and mean something in games I know personally when the Tampa Bay Lightning played them uh, it was kind of easy to start making them sweat and put them on their heels in the third period. They've got to find a way to be a 60-minute team or a first and third period team, let second period do what it does. Um, but then also, you mentioned uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. He is going through what, what I would say is like he doesn't feel – directed he feels taken advantage of he takes he feels taken for granted a guy of his skill ability when he feels respected when he feels like people appreciate his play his play elevates and he's huge at that center position so to get him over at la kings for that deal to work out for the money that came with that we might be seeing a different kind of player and skill set and reliability out of pierre de lucabois because he has been known to have a stellar asset to his game, um, somebody who can help set up and distribute the pucks to key guys like Kempe or Fiala or, you know, Kopitar. Um, I was a little disappointed that they got rid of Afaelo. I thought that he was going to grow with the LA Kings. I thought that he was a contributing factor. I think he sat at about 14-plus goals, um, but a good forecheck to his game. So he was kind of helping alleviate the defense who was left out to dry here and there. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from here, but I think they're trending in the right direction of being a strong team because they've got some of the greatest players, guys that I think belonged in the All-Star game uh, on the roster. Yeah, and it, what stood out to me most there, Casey, was not just the guys you brought up, but the number of names. And I feel like, look, every Stanley Cup winning team needs depth, but those Kings teams that did win two out of three, those teams were loaded top to bottom, and depth was a huge part of it. Dustin Brown, their captain, spent most of his time on their third line in 2014. So those were teams that were so loaded top to bottom, and it feels like the Kings are getting back to that. You know, it's not just the Kopitar show or Jonathan Quick show like it was after they won those couple cups. Now it's really top to bottom. They have so much more pieces or so many more pieces, I should say, to get deeper in the playoffs because they did have a two to one lead on Edmonton in the first round and then they just lost three in a row. I mean, to me, with the moves they've made, I see two more wins in the first round. Like, like to me, that I think, yeah. you know, that's something that their offseason has really stood out to me in the West. And Another team in the West whose offseason has stood out maybe kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, the Chicago Blackhawks, who win the draft lottery, pick first overall, pick Connor Bedard. But I also liked what they did in getting Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno, two veteran guys. Hall, obviously a highly talented player and former number one overall pick himself. Nice mentor for Connor Bedard. But then Nick Foligno, the guy that you know, great locker room guy, good player, but also great locker room guy, will help the bottom six as they grow because the Blackhawks are a team that, you know, we look at them, many fans look at them, oh, they were a dynasty. They won three cups in five years, six years. That 
since 2015. I mean, that was eight years ago. They've really fallen far. When you look at Connor Bedard, is he a guy that do you see him coming in and having an impact a la a McDavid in Edmonton, a Crosby in Pittsburgh, where he's going to come in and change, or even Patrick Kane in Chicago, I should say, change the direction of a franchise? I think he's a great start to changing the direction. Actually, I think that they started to, Kyle Davidson has done a great job with the the peace movement here and protecting the cap space and making sure that everyone's complementary to one another. And I think that's what we forget either as fans and reporters is that you can have all the big names in the world on your roster. It comes down to chemistry. Um, I think Vegas Golden Knights just proved that with their con. I think that the, a lot of teams are proving that. So with Connor Bernard, I think he can take a huge first step because he not only has mentorship from a guy like Taylor Hall and Nick Lino, but they acquired another vet that I think is huge in a locker room personally, and that's Corey Perry. I saw what he did with the Tampa Bay Lightning. His nickname for us was Corey Perry. So Bernard is going to have these guys who have won cups, been a part of Crucial Cup runs, who knows what it's like to come in as a draft pick with pressure and uh, responsibility on his shoulder. But he showed that he's very mature and ready for, you know, the role and the weight that the Blackhawks are probably fly on him for. A lot of people have him predicted to already be a 20-goal guy. Um, I have him sitting at 15 to 20 goals. His points alone, not even talking about playing uh, Worlds or anything else, but coming off of 71 goals and 72 assists, I believe, and only through 57 games, he averages 2.21 points per game. That's an insane number to think of. So he's consistently generating offense. He's a great skater. And to have any sort of comparison to Connor McDavid just lets you know that this kid's ready to play right off the gate. Um, and Davidson has done a great job at finding pieces that are going to set up Bedard for success. So if they didn't acquire the free agents that they did, I may have thought a little differently, but I think that there's complementary pieces to his game that's going to help him be able to have a strong first season in the NHL. Did you say 2.21 points per game? I mean, yes. that's that's nuts to me. Like That's like, that jumps <laughs> right to me. That's if you're in the NHL, AHL, OHL, wherever you like, that is phenomenal. 2.21 yeah. points. I mean, that jumps right. And, and spread that out over 82 games. You're still looking at somebody who has the potential to rack up a point in every single game. It's just, it's nuts. And he did that in 57 games. So yeah. as much as, you know, there's so much hype around that number one pick, cannot deny the statistics that that he picks up and typically skilled players they might not be that highly regarded physically they might not do that well at protecting the puck but he can do that he can protect the puck he can generate offense he's not afraid to get physical i think the comparison that i can think of if you take all the top guys like connor mcdavid and everyone off the board is Look at the hype that used to surround a guy like Tyler Sagan. So exciting yep. to watch. Um, he was such a skilled player. But if you came at him with physicality, you could completely take him out of his game. And Connor Bernard is not going to be shaken by some physicality. So I think that they've got an all-star and a very well-rounded player who's only going to grow. His size is only going to get better. His maturity, his strength, you know, there's just so many upwards to look forward to with this guy. Yeah, that Tyler Sagan note is pretty interesting because I remember in his first conference finals in 2011, he had three goals in a two-game span, but then he largely sat in the Stanley Cup final in 2011 and was not really effective in the 2013 final against Chicago either, largely because of that physicality. So if that's something that the Blackhawks don't have to worry about, that's going to help them out immensely. Like, Look, the point per game in the regular season is phenomenal if he can get that, but if they don't have to worry about 
the physicality of the playoffs, that's a huge win for them because when they are a playoff team a year, two years from now, I mean, that's just, that's going to help them. I think jump, jumpstart, or if you will, their development towards being a champion again. A hundred percent. I think physicality gets rolled out a lot, but it's a, it's a huge asset to all teams. And you mentioned Corey Perry and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I, I know you spend a lot of time covering the Tampa Bay Lightning. You do a great job with that. For those that don't know, we're talking to Casey Hudson of the Believe Network. Big thank you to, for joining. And Casey, the Tampa Bay Lightning, to me, I think are in a very interesting spot because we just mentioned how the Blackhawks, you know, they won those three cups from 2010 to 2015, and then they really kind of consistently went downhill. And the Lightning, to me, since 2015 – They've been to four Stanley Cup finals. They've won two championships. But now some of those guys are getting a little bit older. They've had to lose some of the parts. Where do you think they're at as far as their franchise development? Do you think they're a team that's going to be able to continue to be a contender? Do you think there's going to be a reset in the next year or two? Like, Where are they at in that development? So I think they actually just did a very good job of protecting themselves from an entire rebuild um, to think that, you know, Alex Kalorn, yes, he was due for a large contract and he's going to be the big piece missing there. But, you know, you, you trade a guy like Pat Maroon, who I think only acquired five goals this past season. And, and Maroon said it himself. He kind of slowed down a little bit there. Uh, you have Corey Perry that picked up things in the second half of the season, which was great. You had Ross Colton, who was more of a second half of the season guy as well, 16 goals. But now you've got players that have stepped in who could probably contribute to 70-plus uh, games and that sprinkle more consistently throughout the season versus just picking up momentum in the second half. Also, making those trades now, getting younger now is going to help them not have to entirely rebuild in three years. We've got three key guys that signed eight-year contracts a year ago for one. So while everyone's talking about the moves the New Jersey Devils have made, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning have some skilled star players that are going to be around for seven, eight-plus years. Um, so I actually just got done talking to our beat reporter, Chris Kren, and asking him myself, making sure I'm not crazy. Are we rebuilding or are we just realigning? And he agreed with me. They're just realigning. They picked up another guy who has won two Stanley Cup champions in Connor Sheree. You don't just trust anybody to play with Sidney Crosby. So to get the tap on the shoulder to play on this line with a guy like Sidney Crosby speaks volumes. He's very fast. So if anything, the Tampa Bay Lightning team just got faster. So what you saw with Braden Point, if that was nerve-wracking, I'm hoping that these new additions are going to make it that much more scary. So you Connor Sherry, who's a 20-plus goal guy, he's very fast. He's a bit of a smaller build. Um, one of my favorite things about him I'm looking forward to seeing him do in this lineup is that his passing and getting pucks through traffic, if he has that chemistry immediately with the lightning and can continue to get pucks through traffic. That's going to be dangerous for this team because there were certain D zone coverages that start to fluster the skilled players of the Tampa Bay lightning. It was hard to get those lucky bounces. That's kind of the conversation around the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, face-offs. So to have these new additions that can create different looks and you still have your core Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, 83 assists, 113 points, Steven Stamkos, learning how to, get those shots off, not just in the left circle, not just the predictable one-timers, even though it's one of the greatest one-timers in the league. Um, yeah. 
Victor Hedman, Andre Vasilevsky. I mean, Vasi was banged up and kind of mentally beating himself up, but he's also one of the only goalies that starts the most games in the entire NHL. So there's going to be some restructuring that's going to help protect these guys, keep them healthy, and feed the skilled players on this team without heavily relying on them. So I think that the Tampa Bay Lightning are in a good spot. They're just realigning, and I think they have potential to still compete in, in all assets. So the Eastern Conference is still going to have to deal with them for the time being is what you're telling yeah. me. So, yes. all right, well, it, it, and we'll see how they handle I mean, if they handle it better than the Blackhawks did after 2015, I think you'll end up being 100% right, and they'll still be right there. And so far, sounds like they have handled it pretty well. And another team that has been building for years, and I think finally over the last two years has broken through to being a true contender, is the Carolina Hurricanes. And I know they had a disappointing Eastern Conference final, losing to Florida. But then you look at their offseason, they signed Michael Bunting, which I found really interesting because I think he's going to give them, or at least they hope, what Max Pacioretty was not able to do because he missed so much time. I think that's really what they're looking for. And they signed Dmitry Orlov, who we talked about already as far as what the Bruins are losing without Orlov. And it, the Orlov one is interesting because they have Burns, they have Slavin, like they have a good decor, but they add arguably the best defenseman on the market to it. When you look at Carolina, and, and I know they had the disappointing conference final against Florida, is this a team that you think is primed with these signings to truly get to this, take the next step, get to the Stanley Cup final? Or is there something else missing that they still need to do? No, I think that they're making the right moves, honestly. Um, something that really hindered the Carolina uh, Hurricanes was the fact that they had so much skill, they had zero health on their side. I mean, you lose a guy like Svechnikov um, and know that he's not going to be a part of the second half of your season, let alone playoffs. And we've seen how majestic he is on the ice, how hard he is to stop. Then you got Sebastian Ajo. I think there was a lot of responsibility on Ajo's shoulders once Vishnikov went down. Um, and then the guys that they brought in at the trade deadline, they ended up getting injured and being banged up. So health is going to be a huge thing for the Carolina Hurricanes. If they can stay healthy, though, they have those offensive powerhouses, not just in Svechnikov, not just in Ajo, um, but they're defensemen. They have a lot of offensive defensemen, Brett Burns being one of them. I think he sits like highest in the league for shots on goal consistently. And even in play alone, I mean, this guy was seeing it like a minimum of five shots on goal. It's insane to even comprehend how consistently he's pushing the puck forward. You bring in a guy like Orlov, it's going to free up certain defensemen that do have a strong offensive element to their game. You're not going to be forcing them to check backwards as quickly. Your D zone is going to be protected if they play too far forward. So that's where I think Orlov comes in and plays a huge role and becomes an asset. But then you mentioned bunting. That's scary. I think people kind of get wrapped up on the four checking that bunting brought to the table for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And while that's tremendous, this is still a 20 plus goal guy, 40 yeah. plus as well so in a certain system just imagine where 20 goal guys can go and how their game can elevate and he's not a 20 goal guy who got scored on a lot no he sat at like a plus 20 or plus 21 um statistically which means he was consistently generating offense so he's physical he's a pest i know i couldn't stand our team playing against him and now you go to the carolina hurricanes who had the number one defense in the nhl last season you've got a formidable four checker an offensive defenseman and a defensive offenseman i know it's a play on words there and yeah. so there's so much versatility going up and down their lineup which i think is going to help them be so um strong in all three zones 
And yeah. if health stays on their side, they're going to be able to produce just as much offensively as they do defensively. I think they just became a defense heavy team and you can only do so much with that. If your opponent's going to try to wear you down. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good and fair point about the health as well. I mean, if this is a team that's healthy, maybe they make the Stanley cup final last year without any of these additions. And if you would think they're going to have health at least a little bit more on their side this year and add these additions in. I wouldn't be shocked if we see Carolina in the Stanley Cup final. And one last team I want to ask you about, Casey, the Columbus Blue Jackets. And it's a team that in 2019, they upset the Lightning in round one. They take the Bruins to six tough games in round two. You think, hey, maybe they're on the come up. They're getting there. And really last year, they kind of bottomed out. They end up picking three overall in the draft. They draft Fantilli. They hire Mike Babcock as their head coach, a Stanley Cup champion. When you look at the Blue Jackets, and this was a team you mentioned to me off air as we were getting ready that you found interesting. I'm curious to see, is it those two moves that you find interesting or is there more than that? Oh my gosh, it's a little more than that. And I got a chance to talk with one of their reporters, uh, Brian Hedger, and he illuminated some fascinating things to me when it comes to this team. Um, This is another team that actually didn't have health on their side. You've got so many top skilled players that ended up out of the lineup due to injury and especially in their D zone. So what we saw out of the Columbus Blue Jackets, even though they didn't have the sexiest record, they have some decent, reliable depth. Then you give Johnny Goodrow and Patrick Lane an extra year to build chemistry with one another. Um, something else that he pointed out to me is that they kind of had a lot of the same sweet spots of where they wanted to line up in the power play. Lane likes the left side, Goodrow likes the left side as well. Then he started to transition and find his ability and his way to score from the right side of the ice. So now that they're starting to complement each other versus kind of knock one one another out of lineups or out of position to score or get the job done, you're looking at a team that actually has a lot of skilled players. Now take them out of lineup. You got Ken Johnson, who is young, pulled a Michigan on the day that the Michigan was created. Um, he can be an unorthodox scorer. He can be very creative, which makes a guy very hard to stop. Another year in this system is just going to make him that much better. Throw another Michigan guy in the mix. You got Adam Fantanelli, which they didn't expect to get, but if they did, I think this is the best move. I think that they're primed and ready to throw him in the lineup right away. He already signed his entry-level contract. Um, he's got the size. He is fast. I don't think people realize how fast Ventanelli is. And then on top of it, if you catch up with him, he's going to make you pay for it because he's very physical on top of having speed. He's not afraid to be a a complete pest around the net, uh, jam up different ways, create deflections. So Ventanelli is a guy who can kind of step in and be an asset right away. So health being on their side as well. Uh, I think Roneski was injured. Just a lot of guys that weren't able to be a part of this season. If they can forward and everyone kind of knows their roles and how to be skillful players in their roles. The Columbus Blue Jackets are going to come back and be impossible to play against. Casey, I want to ask you one last question here, and it can be a player that we've already talked about so far, but what move trade or free agency do you think is going to have the largest impact on their team this season? This is a great question. (laughs) Um, I think that the Metropolitan Division is just racking up the the right players at the right time and making the right moves. Uh, I know a lot of people look at the Atlantic and they're like, how can I possibly think this? But when you look at longevity, thing you and I think about here and there um, right now on your, on your segment, you got the devils who have 
six guys locked in for four plus years. Uh, Timo Meyer, what he's done is ridiculous. Jack Hughes is ridiculous. So they've got so many assets on their team. Andre Palat, somebody else that I know closely from playing with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So the Devils have just made the right moves. Uh, they've still been the team to kind of win the offseason. If Carolina lands Tarasenko, they're going to be the team to take the cake. No offense to anybody else. Um, but, of course, with Tarasenko switching out his agent last minute, conversations have been slightly delayed. But Carolina might be the top team. If they get Tarasenko, they've got Bunting, they've got Orlov, they're in – top contention to pick up Eric Carlson, which you think another defenseman, offensive defenseman, but he's just different and a hundred points that could be going to a team that's already so sound. So I want to say the Metropolitan Division as a whole, and I want to say the New Jersey Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes have just been working magic. All right. We'll see if we have an Eastern Conference final of the Devils and the Hurricanes, and we'll revisit <laughs> that. We'll see. Casey Hudson, it was a pleasure to have you on the show today on our 25th episode of Coach Time. If you don't know who she is, folks, she covers the NHL for Believe Network, does a lot of work with the Tampa Bay Lightning as well, and does a terrific job. Casey, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, John. I really love talking hockey with you. All right. Thank you. Thank you.